Well, you guys, today we have a guest speaker who is familiar to us. If you remember Palm Sunday, she came and gave us an absolutely terrific message about Deborah and, and uh, about judging and about uh, the triumphal entry. So I was blessed by that. Um, and this morning when I was giving her the rundown of how we do things here at Life Covenant and the order of the service and whatnot, I was like, you probably already know this. You've been here a couple times. And she said, yeah, being here is like coming home. And I was like, that's, that's really special to me, right? Like, wherever the Spirit of God is, for us believers who have that Spirit in us, it is home, right? Right, Charlie? Like, if you're in Mozambique, if you're in um, Kenya, if wherever you are, right, that's where he is too. And so it is such a blessing to have our sister come and speak with us today and bring the Word of God. And I'm sure that uh, he has a lot to say through her. For those of you who have not met Karen or don't know who she is, uh, Karen Figueroa is an academic dean of CHET, which is the Latino Bible School for the Covenant and Beyond. She's also an ordained minister in the Evangelical Covenant Church. Her passion is to walk alongside people and to help them discover who God created them to be. She enjoys time with her family as well as reading and writing. So would you please welcome Karen. Get this going here? Yes. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, this is home. Um, I live nearby and uh, I meet with uh, Pastor Tim periodically with a group of pastors that we belong to the South Bay area. And so it's really, uh, I always get to hear about you from Pastor Tim and how you're all doing and how the church is thriving and uh, all the ministries that you are involved. And so my admiration for the passion that you have for, for Christ and for the church. And so uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here today. Um, <clears throat> and so I know that you've been uh, studying about the parables. And uh, um, when Pastor Tim asked me to preach this morning, and I had to actually, I got to choose. And uh, there's one parable uh, that a lot of people don't preach on it because it's, it's a really tough one. And it's about the, the, the weeds and, and the wheat and how evil and good uh, grow together in the world. But we will read the Word of God first, and so we will jump on the, on the Scripture. And so we will read on Matthew 13, 24 and 30, and it should be on the screen for you to follow along. And I'm not sure if I chose the right version, but we'll go for there. He put before then another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let, of, let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into the barn. Now, Jesus also responds to the disciples on verses 36 through 43. And it says, then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. 
And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man his angels, and then will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and then will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you uh, with humble hearts. Um, we come to you uh, with this curiosity of learning from what you told the disciples back in those days that you were here on earth. And Father, we want to transport ourselves to the context of um, this parable in, in your time and what you have to say to us today and how the, word, the scripture um, still has so much life to us today to apply to our daily lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So a farmer. So a farmer went to the fields to see if the harvest was almost ready. And he took his little daughter Lisa with him. And the inexperienced girl said, Look, Dad, it is so awesome to see some of the wheat that are so pretty and their spikes are tall and beautiful. I am sure they will be the best and the most distinguished compared to those around her that are lower and almost to the ground. I'm sure those will be the worst. The father then took some wheat spikes and said, Look close, my daughter. Do you see these spikes that are tall and so proudly raise their heads? Well, they are entirely empty. On the contrary, these others, which fold so modestly, are full of beautiful grains. And as you see on the screen, and we're going to pr practically have that picture up on the screen um, most of the time, but you can see how there's almost no difference in the two pictures, right? Uh, they almost look the same. So anyway, my grandpa was a farmer, and he always told me stories when he would harvest sugar cane. That was their specialty, but also they would grow corn and beans. And he told me once that after the corn is harvested, they would fold the spike and then plant the beans because they ne the beans needed something to attach themselves to and then grow. Now, for, for my grandfather and the farmers then, this was practically to save money and time. And because they were resourceful, they used the, the corn uh, spikes. But in a way, it gave me a visual of what we just read in the Bible. See, first century Jews, they lived in an agrarian culture. Therefore, we find Jesus um, teaching them by using those examples of crops and farmers. In the parable of the sower, Jesus is talking about how God responds to the gospel. In the parable to the tenants, he used the story of the vineyard to address the ways that Israel had consistently worked against God. Now, a bit of botany is helpful to understand, you know, a little bit about this parable. In the originals, Matthew used the term sisania, 
which in model botanical terms refers to the wild rice grasses. What Matthew most likely refers to, however, is darnel, a noxious weed that closely resembles wheat and is plentiful in Israel, and they grow together. The difference between darnel and real wheat is evident only when the plants are mature and the ears appear. So the ears of the real wheat are heavy and will droop, while the ears of the darnel stand up straight up. In today's text, we found in Matthew 13 that Jesus tells his farmer this related story. And Jesus taught by the admirable methods of parables because they were understandable to their context and their simple minds with the meaning that uh, encompassed the deepest and uh, problems of moral philosophy. Now, the greatest philosophers of the world have asked themselves, why does evil exist? And why does God tolerate it? And probably this is a question that every generation comes up with, right? Why does evil exist and why does God tolerate it? And so this parable explains the reason in a very simple and understandable way for everyone to understand it. So we'll dig into that today. Now we have several people represented in this parable. We have the reapers and the Bible straight, straight as tells us that those are the angels. The enemy, which is the devil. But then it talks about the slaves, perhaps the disciples, as Jesus was talking to them, but perhaps it's us who Jesus can be talking to us as well. When the householder slaves notice the weeds, they, their first response to the question is the quality of the seed. So they asked, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weed come from? So they were questioning Jesus himself that he had not chosen the right seed to, to um, plant. When the master replies that an enemy has sown the, the weeds, then the slaves are anxious to take care of the problem, right? And the disciples were, you know, people of action. They wanted to do things right away. They wanted to defend Jesus. They wanted to defend his cause. And probably they wanted to weed those out, right? Those nasty weeds right out. They wanted to pull them out. But the master restrains his servants, saying that in gathering the weeds, they would uproot the wheat along with it. So then he orders them to let them both grow together until the harvest, because he will send out his reapers to collect and burn the wheat and to gather the wheat into his barn. So in the clearest of terms, Jesus is telling his disciples what almost every element of the parable represents. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of age and the reapers are the angels. These are verses 13, 37 through 39. Jesus does not, however, tell them who are the slaves. So that's the question for us today. Who are the slaves? So perhaps the slaves were the disciples, or actually perhaps they're anyone who hears the parable and interprets it. Who among us has not questioned God? Why evil exists? And why, and why good and evil thrive together sometimes? 
Who among us has not wanted to take matters into our own hands and root out the evil in our midst? We all have at some point tried to do that. But the master stops the slave from doing something of the sort. For one thing, it is not easy to tell the weeds from the wheat. And for another, it's because the roots are intertwined below the ground, and we cannot see that. But the, the wheat and the, um, and the uh, uh, weeds, they grow together under the soil. So rooting out the weeds, if you've ever done gardening, would uproot the good wheat as well, doing more damage to the crop than leaving the weeds to grow. Now Jesus says that the reapers, not the slaves, will take care of this at harvest time. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect all causes of sin and, and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. So it is the angels, not any human being, who are authorized to pluck out the weeds from the wheat. So we find in this text some stumbling blocks. We find that there's dualism in this text because it seems that there are two groups of people in the world, children of the kingdom and children of the evil one, wheat and weeds and that their destinies are fixed from the beginning. So, but then Jesus says that at the end, at the end of age, the angels are going to come and call out from his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire. So elsewhere, Jesus warns who put a stumbling block before any of the little ones, that it would be better for them to have a millstone put around their neck and be drowned in the sea. Similarly, he warns that if your hand or foot or the eye causes you to sin, it is better to cut it out or pluck it out and enter life blind or maimed than to be thrown into the hell of fire with your body intact. But this is hyperbolic language, of course. It's meaning to jar us into recognizing the seriousness of sin, right? And this is the message today. Anything, anything that leads us or others into sin, we should pluck out. It seems to suggest that it may be something within a person rather than the whole person. We know that it is not really our hand or foot or the eye that causes us to sin. Sin comes from the human heart, which in the original language refers to the inner self. It's what's in, within us, our minds, our will. So no human is able to pluck out their will and pluck out their minds about it. So perhaps when Jesus says that the angels will collect all stumbling blocks and to burn them into the fire, he means that everything within us that causes us to sin will be burned away. It doesn't quite fit the logic of the parable, though, which seems to be talking about these two groups of people and speaks of throwing the evildoers in, into the furnace of fire and then the other ones that will be with Jesus. So after we consider this, we also remember when Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. For you are setting your mind on divine, not on divine things, but on human things. In spite of these strong words and Peter's repeated failings, 
Jesus does not give up on Peter. Rather, he entrusts him the future of his, of his mission to find and the rest of the disciples. So perhaps we should not press on the logic of the parable too literally, because in the world we know, wheat do not become wheat, yet Matthew's story holds us that there's hope for those that stumble. Yet Jesus also works with those that stumble. So one important thing to remember this morning is that it is not our job to figure out who are the evildoers and who are not. What a relief, right? <laughs> Perhaps there were some overzealous weeders in Matthew's congregation who wanted to purify the community by rooting out the bad seed. And this seems to be a temptation for followers in Jesus today in our age as well. We whip ourselves with, into a weeding frenzy, right? Certain that we know the difference between good and bad. That we know the difference between weeds and wheat. And that we know how to deal with them. Jesus' uh, parable also makes clear that any attempt to root out the weeds will only do more damage to the crop. This has played out far many two times in congregations and denominations with some people determined to root out anyone who doesn't agree with us or with the right interpretation of the Bible, a liturgical practice, how we sing songs, the color of the carpet, or perhaps any particular issue that might come in between um, people. But those are also who pronounce judgment on people outside of the church, right? On people of other faiths. For instance, declaring them to be destined for eternal damnation, whether judgment is within the church or without, we do serious damage when we play the role of the judge. So Jesus makes it clear that we simply cannot be certain who is in and who is not. In fact, God's judgment about these matters will take many of us by surprise, right? Those that we thought that were not worthy of heaven or those that we thought they were worthy they were and maybe they're not. So thank God he's not up to us. I mean, I'm like, I feel like this load off, you know, my shoulders thinking that he's not up to me. So we can leave the weeding to the angels and get on with the mission of Jesus. And this is the message of the parable. The message of Jesus that he has given us, the mission of the church should be to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God who is drawing near. To really grasp this parable is helpful to understand that Jesus is describing the kingdom of God. Jesus is sowing gospel seeds throughout the world and raising up Christians. But at the same time, the enemy of the world is spreading counterfeit seed. In its immature state, it is always, it is and always simple to discern those differences between those that belong to the kingdom and those that don't. So the servants want to help the farmers by uprooting the imposters, but they lack the sensitivity of the angels that will be the ones that will be harvesting. It is not the job of the servants to make that judgment about what it is and what it is not actual wheat. Their job is, is to serve the farmer as he spreads the legitimate seed. So it seems that the main point of the parable is that unlikely that disciples' expectations that they wanted to probably weed out a lot of things in their midst. Basically, they wanted the kingdom of God to be a restored Israel, and they didn't get that. 
Why? Because I believe that the kingdom of God is a borderless kingdom. The kingdom of God is where the citizens might not immediately appear much different than those in the kingdom of man. And any attempt to separate the two could damage God's kingdom itself. So these, the servants should assist Jesus in planting the seeds and ensuring that they grow to maturity. And that's us today. At the end of age, it is the job of the harvesters to judge who is or who isn't a member of God's kingdom. So as you remember when I told you my, grand, my grandfather's, uh, grandfather's story, I love the understanding that the wheat actually droops his head and the darnel standing upright, it means of differentiation. It gives me a good visual of when we get to stand before our Lord and he asks us individually what we did for discipling the earth, for doing what the mission of God should be, which be always be to make disciples. Some, at that moment, will humbly stand and thank Jesus for his sacrifice and dying of their sins, which many, with their heads bow, and others will stand actually and say, I did so great, Jesus, with their heads up. The message of the parable is that the community will remain a mixture of good and evil until the time of separation and the last judgment. But our responsibility for the separation of good and evil, we know that only belongs to God and his agents, not for our individual members of our community today. So the purpose here is to feed the world in humble service to Jesus. The reality is that we just take up too much of our time and too much of our energy, taking pride in themselves along, right? When you're out in your, ho in your home and trying to weed it out, as, you know, you, you pluck them out and then they grow back again. And it's just so much energy that is taken from you because they keep coming back and they keep coming back. But this is the message of this parable. In the world, evil and good will grow together. This is our reality. So to summarize this parable, and we have another slide for that, we're going to see seven, seven different uh, points of the parable. So we have the owner. We talked about the owner, which is the son of, the son of man, Jesus himself. He is the one spreading the good seed. And Jesus is saying, the whole world is mine. So we can have an idea that Everything belongs to God. Number two is the enemy, and that's another reality today. Jesus says that his enemy is the devil. Therefore, he's our enemy as well. But he's powerful, right? He has a lot of power over us. But living in hope, awaiting the eternal life, means that Jesus already took care of that. Jesus already took care of the enemy when he died in the cross and when he resurrected after three days and he is alive sitting at the right side of the father the third item is the seed the seed is us we are the seed and we are to grow into maturity to have to make new seeds and then disciple others and spread it and multiply it number four is the field the field is the world it's not 
the church. It's not just those who have believed. Actually, we should be discipling also others and reaching out in the world. Number five is the question. If God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? Now, in Jesus' time, people assumed that the kingdom came, right? Because they were waiting for their Messiah, and they wanted a restored Israel. So the question was then, and the question is still today. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of, 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 the, of the Lord. But in, the, in between that we are here, we are awaiting the judgment day, right? And so we are in the then and now. We live in the kingdom but the kingdom is not complete yet until Jesus comes for his church. Number six is the growth. The growth is always important, and that's why we need to have a lot of patience, right? Because things don't grow at the same time. Things, uh, you know, they, uh, plants, they don't grow depending on the, uh, on the weather, on the water. There's a lot of elements. And so all of those things are helping us to know that we are to grow but when we grow, also evil grows. And that's a reality today. And that we are to grow together until the return of Jesus. And number seven is the harvest. That's what we are waiting for. The gray and, uh, harvest that basically we, until that happens, we live in this space of grace. Right? And the work of, the, of judgment belongs to Christ. And that's the greatest gift that is not up to us it is not our job we should not be wasting our energy trying to figure out who is in the kingdom and who is not we are to be the seed and we are to uh, help others also grow so to send you off this morning we must we must stay engaged and these means that you are to bloom where you are planted it doesn't matter where you're at it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what family you belong to. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, um, position of work you have. You are to bloom wherever you are. Number two, we need to practice patience. Anything with, that has to do with growing and farming and waiting for good products, it means that you have to have a lot of patience. Our mission is to sow uh, the seeds. And third, we must live in anticipation of the harvest. We must live in anticipation of Jesus' return. And God will harvest the wheat. And he will bring his people home. So if this morning you have people that you have not talked to about Jesus, or that you think that, uh, you know, have not heard the gospel, you can reach out to them. But sometimes you must just show love to them and be in bloom along with them. So that's um, something that I think it's important about this parable. There is evil and good growing together. And it happens everywhere. But it's not our job. Our job is to love. Our mission is to, to uh, grow together along with the, the weeds. So um, the encouragement is that as a church, we do this together. You don't do this alone. We do this in community, right? And this is why it's important to gather. But, but beyond gathering every Sunday is to be there for each other during the week. It's checking up on each other. How are we doing? And how are we growing in Christ? And so that's really um, the message that God put in my heart when I got to choose the parable of the weeds. 
and the wheat. To know that it's comforting, it's hopeful. Uh, to know that God is in control and that he is the one that takes care of the harvest and in his own, on his own time. Let's pray.